Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Legal Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. The North Carolina Central University School of Law was chartered in March of 1939, but did not begin its educational journey until August of 1940. It is no secret that the General Assembly, which authorized the launching of the law school, intended it as an effort to maintain Jim Crow segregation of the races. Despite this intent, Dr. Chane Shepard, the founder and president of NCCU at the time, saw this offer as an opportunity to advance his mission of providing a comprehensive education for African-Americans at this institution. As a son and graduate of Shaw University, which started the first law school in North Carolina in 1888, Dr. Shepard wanted to expand educational opportunities for his target student population and fulfill efforts that began at Shaw, but were forced to close in 1914. Having a law school as a part of the educational offering at any institution was then and is now a crown jewel, which had been placed in Dr. Shepard's hands and this offering allowed him to enhance this institution's reputation, visibility and longevity. The value of the placement of a law school at NCC to Dr. Shepard was demonstrated by his engaging in a national search, which resulted in the hiring of Dr. Albert Turner as his first dean, the second African-American to serve as a dean of any U.S. law school. Dr. Shepard expected attacks on the law school and sought to recruit highly qualified leadership and staff. Dr. Turner was a renowned legal scholar and attorney from what is now Case Western Reserve University School of Law in uh, Ohio. As a result, Dr. Turner developed the initial legal education curriculum, hired a highly qualified pro professorial contingent, and served as the dean for the law school for over 23 years. He also personally sought out outstanding students to enroll in the law school because he wanted them to be serious and well-prepared. His first recruit was Robert Baum, an outstanding undergraduate who was the valedictorian of his North Carolina college class. And he went on to become the first law school graduate and immediately passed the North Carolina bar exam. Following Dr. Turner's tenure, the law school has been led by an outstanding array of civil rights trained and civil rights minded and certainly highly qualified deemed. Included on this list are Daniel Sampson, who led a gallant campaign in 
1969 to keep the law school open. LaMarcus DeJarman, a civil rights attorney and constitutional law scholar. Harry Groves, a recognized leader in legal education who created the FAME evening program at this uh, institution. Charles Day, the first African-American to gain tenure at the UNC Chapel Hill School of uh, Law. Thomas Ringer, who founded and institutionalized the law school clinical program. And Mary Wright and Janice Mills, the first African-American females uh, to serve as dean at this uh, institution. And then Judge Elaine O'Neill, who was the first NCCU alum to be appointed as dean. So we've had a long history of outstanding deans who have come at, uh, at the institution to lead us in this educational journey. In July of this year, the university appointed the Honorable Patricia Timmons Goodson as the present dean. As has been the case with past deans, Judge Timmons Goodson brings an impressive resume to the job. She earned her JD from the UNC Chapel Hill School of Law. She earned a master's of law degree from Duke University School of Law. She has practiced law with the Cumberland County District Attorney's Office and the Lumbee Legal Services. She has served as a Cumberland Court District Court Judge. In 1997, she was appointed by Governor Jim Hunt to the North Carolina Court of Appeals. And in 2006, she was appointed to the North Carolina Supreme Court by Governor Mike Easley, one of our alums, being the first African-American female to serve on that court. In 2024, she was appointed to the U.S. Commission for Civil Rights by President Barack Obama, and in 2015 became its vice chairperson. So as you can plainly see, Dean Timmons Goodson continues a long line of outstanding legal educators who have been chosen to serve as the dean of this law school. And we are certainly pleased to have her as, uh, as our leader. And Dean Timmons Goodson, we welcome you to the uh, Legal Legal Review. Thank you so very much, uh, Professor Joyner and um, Professor Dawson. Thank you for allowing me to join you once more. Uh, as they say, this is not my first rodeo uh, with you all. I am excited about the opportunity to, to join you, uh, but from a different perspective. And so thanks for, uh, for having me on. And, and we appreciate your coming on from a different perspective and uh, a higher perspective uh, than uh, you've been on uh, before. But to start us out with this uh, conversation, can you kind of talk about, uh, because you, you, you've done a lot of things uh, in your uh, career, uh, great uh, growth and development that you've demonstrated, leadership that you have been able to uh, exhibit uh, all over the uh, all over the country, what was it that uh, drew uh, your attention and caused you to apply uh, to become the dean at uh, at this law school? You know, Professor Joyner, that's a question that I've received uh, many times. 
uh, since accepting uh, the offering. And there are a lot of ways that I might respond to that question, but I think your listeners might better understand it with me telling about a poem that was introduced to me many years ago by the late Representative Annie Brown Kennedy. It's called The Bridge Builder. And the poem, I wish that I could recite it to you, uh, but the story is that there was an individual uh, on a journey and came to a, a chasm deep and wide, water flowing um, beneath it. That older individual was able to cross over. And upon getting to the other side, the individual turned around and began building a bridge uh, back from whence he had come. A number of uh, travelers stopped and basically said, old person, why in the world are you expending whatever energy you have left in this life uh, to build a bridge back over to the other side from which you've come? You're not going to have to uh, cross over again. Why do you bother? And the, the bridge builder says, the chasm deep and wide that presented no challenge to me for a younger person coming along, it may very well be um, a real challenge. And so I'm building the bridge for that person. And so that's the way that I look at it. I have been tremendously blessed beyond measure. This little South Carolina uh, born girl uh, coming along just a, a few months after the historic Brown versus Board of Education to be able to achieve uh, opportunities in the legal profession, which included sitting on the highest court in uh, a state that once made up a part of the old Confederacy, to be able to serve on that court. What an opportunity. And so I believe that it's incumbent upon me uh, to build a bridge so that others can come along and, and have the opportunities uh, that I had. And so uh, call me, uh, I like to think of myself as a bridge builder, uh, just as uh, the late Annie Brown Kennedy and so many others were bridge builders for me. And so that's what has brought me back. Um, it will, has brought me to uh, North Carolina Central uh, School of Law. Can you kind of talk about, uh, you know, the, because you've been in the practice of law for, for a while here in the state. I don't want to call you old. That's, that's reserved for me. You may call me seasoned, <laughs> just as you're seasoned. <laughs> and uh, so, you, but can you kind of talk about uh, the history uh, that you've had uh, with the law school, our graduates, the knowledge of the uh, educational uh, product that we seek uh, to uh, to uh, produce and send out into the uh, into the profession. As you recited uh, earlier, I'm a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill uh, undergrad and law school. Uh, during my time uh, at uh, UNC uh, in the '70s, many of my friends were attending law school at North Carolina Central. Um, 
Some would come over to, to UNC or to Duke to the library to study. Others of us at Chapel Hill would go over to Durham to the homes of uh, individuals there uh, or uh, to the library. And so I've always known of North Carolina Central uh, School of Law, and I've always had a tremendous respect for the students uh, that attended there and the lawyers that were were produced. Uh, Charles Day, Professor Day, that came and became the Dean of Central's Law School, was on the faculty at UNC Chapel Hill when I began the law school in 1976. And he and his lovely wife, Norma, would have us uh, over to their Durham home uh, to help nurture and provide the encouragement uh, on those days and times when we were at our lowest points uh, at uh, the law school. The North Carolina Association of Black Lawyers, uh, who embraced the students at Chapel Hill's Law School, many were graduates of North Carolina Central's Law School. Um, I remember the year I believe I began law school, the president of the North Carolina Association of Black Lawyers was um, G.K. Butterfield. And so I say that to say that I've had uh, throughout my legal education uh, and my legal career much contact with uh, the graduates of North Carolina uh, Central um, School of Law. It may interest you to know that I replaced uh, the late Judge uh, Cliff Johnson on the North Carolina Court of Appeals. Judge Johnson, of course, was a proud graduate of uh, North Carolina Central's Law School. And I owe him a tremendous debt for assisting me with getting the appointment to the Court of Appeals uh, and for leaving me such strong law clerks. And they were graduates of North Carolina Central's Law School. So at every turn, um, I have seen and appreciated the caliber of North Carolina Central uh, Law graduates. Uh, let me add, uh, Dean Pierce, during his time here, invited me to come into service commencement speaker uh, for the law school. Um, I've attended many programs over the years, including being a, a guest lecturer in, in a class or two. So I'm no stranger to North Carolina Central uh, School of Law, and I, I hope that the folks will say, well, she's no stranger uh, to me. And Dean, I, I appreciated you sharing the Bridge Builder poem to um, kind of help explain why it is that you've assumed this wonderful position um, and your history, your sharing of your history and your early involvement with the law school. And I just want to uh, mention that you were a bridge builder even before you became Dean. And so you've mentioned um, inheriting NCCU law clerks when you assumed the position on the Court of Appeals, but you've always been very generous about looking at our students, hiring our students, coming, you've mentioned speaking to the students. Um, I've been at the law school, not quite as long as Irv, but it's getting kind of close to 20 years. And I have always very fondly remembered, even before you assumed this position, your engagement with the students and the faculty and your um, assuming the role of Dean it's just really consistent with the support that you have always given this institution. So I just wanted to 
um, to mention that. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the changes that are taking place in the legal profession. And you have served in many roles as a lawyer, as a prosecutor, as a judge at the trial level, the court of appeals level. Um, and you have seen a lot of changes in the legal profession from those vantage points. As we consider training future lawyers as educators, as legal educators, we have to be really mindful of the changes that are taking place. And, and so I suspect that you've had to think about the profession in a slightly different way um, as dean, as the leader of this law school and making sure that we prepare our students for the future practice of law, not only the way law is practiced now in the legal profession now, but also the practice of law and what it will look like in five years, 10 years, 15 years. Uh, we're gonna have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd love to get your thoughts on the future of the legal profession and how that informs your role as the chief legal educator here at NCCU School of Law. You're listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we have been talking with our new dean, Justice Timmons Goodson, Patricia Timmons Goodson. We're going to have to take a quick break. We hope you stay with us when we'll be able to hear more about the Dean's vision for this wonderful law school. We hope you stay with us. Hello, this is Kiana Woods, and I'm a third year law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law. This week on the Legal Eagle Review, we have a special guest, the Honorable Patricia Timmons Goodson, the new Dean of the Law School. North Carolina Central University School of Law was established in 1939 after North Carolina General Assembly enacted House Bill 18. This enactment came 25 years after Shaw University closed its law school in 1914, leaving no in-state option for African Americans to receive a formal education in law. To this day, North Carolina Central University School of Law is committed to expanding educational opportunities without discrimination against applicants, students, or employees. The Honorable Timmons Goodson becomes the 17th Dean at the North Carolina Central University School of Law. We wish her nothing but the best as she steps into her new role. This is Kiana Woods with the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you for listening. And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking with Dean Patricia Timmons Goodson. She is the newly appointed Dean to North Carolina Central University School of Law. Even though she is new to the position as Dean, she has been a long time supporter and avid friend for and to the law school. So Dean, right before the break, we wanted to get your thoughts on the changing nature of the legal profession and your thoughts about the role of law schools and legal educators in preparing our students to be future lawyers 
uh, in a profession that may look a little different than what it did when we became lawyers. Absolutely, um, Dean Dawson, your uh, question about uh, the future of the legal profession and how it is that our, how legal education is to address that is a topic, as you can imagine, that is discussed regularly and often with uh, law deans. Um, I guess the best uh, way to begin uh, answering that is that traditional law firm jobs as we, we know them are not as prevalent as they once were. And I think that we can look for uh, there to be fewer uh, of them. That is because some of the, or much of the work traditionally associated with lawyering uh, is now done through technology. Uh, perhaps folks that don't have a law degree with the aid of technology are able to perform the tasks adequately. And so there are at present more alternatives to the, the traditional legal career. So one has a legal education, but not necessarily using that legal education in the tra traditional mode. And so we're talking about um, legal operations and, and, and legal projects and um, bringing lawyers in to use technology to help the law firms uh, function more more uh, adequately. You know, talking about changes though, legal research, something as basic as legal research. Um, how often do you see folks with books now? It's all uh, generated uh, through technology. And so that, that of course is a, a huge uh, additional piece. My point is that uh, technology uh, is the way of the future. And that's why I'm so excited about our uh, technology and policy uh, program that we have at North Carolina Central. Uh, we're ahead of UNC and some other places in that, that regard. And so by seeking to educate our students uh, about uh, technology, um, the law surrounding it, um, educating our students, about the role and uh, the policy involved uh, with technology, we're ahead of the game. And so um, I think our future is bright where that is concerned. You know, and, and with these uh, changes, uh, it, it requires a kind of uh, changes in the uh, uh, educational uh, methodology at, yes. uh, at law schools all over all over the country and particularly here at uh, North Carolina Central, uh, what, what, what is your vision uh, for the law school and where do we go from here and what are some of the uh, needs uh, that uh, exist to uh, take us uh, to the uh, point that uh, you see us uh, arriving at uh, in, uh, in short order and in the long run? Well, um, you know, in terms of vision, we're, I'm thinking and talking generally. And so my vision is that our law school 
our faculty, our staff will have the sufficient numbers and quality uh, that are required of a nationally regarded law firm. And I think that that's where we are. Uh, we have, in my mind, uh, some of the best faculty and staff uh, to be found any place. But there's a lot of work to be done. And I can appreciate and see in my 89 days there just how stretched um, our faculty and staff are. And so my vision is for us to right size, if you will, um, our, our, uh, our staff and our resources so that we can accomplish the mission that we set out. And, and let me say that mission hasn't changed. Um, Professor Jerner, you talked about what led to the, the creation of the law school. And that, of course, was um, segregation that would not permit um, black and white students to be educated in the law um, in the same um, place. Well, of course, that restriction has been uh, moved, removed, but um, our mission is still to provide a, a high quality, practice ready, practice oriented, affordable legal education to historically underrepresented students that are coming from diverse backgrounds. Uh, and so that we can, in fact, diversify the legal profession. So where we started out educating African-Americans to become lawyers because uh, we were from a historically underrepresented uh, group, now uh, that is expanded. And so we have other minorities and, and we have uh, students uh, who come from backgrounds that are socioeconomically um, deprived. And, and, but the bottom line is that we're continuing our mission to uh, provide uh, a great education for students from underrepresented um, groups. My vision continues. Uh, I'd like to see us uh, continue uh, to look holistically at the applicants that uh, seek to attend our school. Um, we need to continue admitting uh, those that have grit, determination, and drive. Uh, and um, my vision is that those students, upon receiving their legal educations, will return to their communities and make a difference, and that they will invest financially in the communities that uh, invested so much uh, in them. Uh, additional uh, further vision, um, you know, our faculty uh, continuing to produce scholarship and um, that leads to a legal education and training for students that are prepared for the highest levels uh, in the legal profession. Let me say that our graduates, um, I can't say enough about our alumni. Uh, the proof that North Carolina Central School of Law has and is accomplishing its mission is in our uh, graduates. You can look all over the state of North Carolina and the nation, and you'll see uh, North Carolina Central Law alumni providing uh, tremendous leadership. And so 
My goal is for us to continue doing that, um, but doing it, providing this education um, in line with the changes that we have already spoken of in our profession. So many of our graduates you can find in, in government and public service, and that's wonderful. I want us to build on that, but I also want us to move out into areas that perhaps either didn't exist or were denied to us. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the technology um, uh, law uh, and policy um, program. That is going to allow us to do that. Traditionally, uh, the African-American community and other poor communities are not able to advance where technology is concerned. You can look at the, the deserts and the places where there's not even um, an internet connection. We've all heard the stories about students having to go to public restaurants and sitting inside or outside in their car just to be able to access. Well, our work uh, with the Technology Center and, and educating our students, I believe that's going to um, result in our students having an appreciation for the importance of technology and also with the, the mindset that they have of giving back sharing that um, that education, that, that experience uh, with members of our community so that the community expands uh, and grows uh, in uh, technology. Dean, you mentioned that um, as far as the, the students, you mentioned, you know, grit, determination, drive. You had the pleasure of introducing really yourself to your first class. So the students who are first year students here in 2023, um, they will be your first class, the first class that you will graduate. As you talk to the 1Ls in particular, um, who are new to law school, we know that can be a really challenging year. In addition to talking about the need for that grit, determination and drive, what other message do you give to those new law students and also young people or older people who talk to you who may be interested in going to law school? What I tell our first year students and, and anyone uh, interested in pursuing a legal education is that we need you. Do not listen to those uh, that may be saying that there are too many lawyers, that we don't need any more lawyers. I make sure that they understand that they should not listen to that because in fact, we need them. I believe that the African-American population in this country is about 13%, between 13 and 14%, um, yet uh, only about 5% of the, uh, the lawyers in this country are, are African-American. And so um, we need uh, more black lawyers. And I also tell uh, the young folk that I'm not much different from you. 
Um, I did not come from a family uh, where the path was paved for me. I'm the first in my family to attend law school. I jokingly say that when I graduated from law school, uh, my family thought that we had died and gone to heaven because we had produced uh, a lawyer in the family. And I'm proud to say that uh, the next generation will have two or three more. So I try to make sure that uh, the first year students understand that um, this legal education is not just about you. Um, it's about your family. It's about your community. That you will in fact change the trajectory of your family upon successfully completing law school and going out and being admitted to the bar and a practicing lawyer, if that is what you want. And so work hard. It's not going to be handed to you. No lawyer that you see walking around with the license had it any easier. You're going to, if you want to be a member of that club, you're going to have to do the work uh, to get there. And so it's about that time after I've said all of that, the, the first year students are backing off and saying, you know, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. You know, traditionally the uh, law school has been under-resourced. Uh, and even uh, with that, uh, North Carolina Central has uh, uh, been able to achieve things that uh, other law schools have not been able uh, to do. Uh, we were uh, the leaders, for instance, in uh, clinical education, uh, where since 1939, we have uh, promoted uh, this notion of practice-ready uh, attorneys and having graduates who are ready to go out and uh, from day one, open up their own law firms and uh, provide services to the uh, community in uh, technology. Uh, long before other law schools had picked up uh, this notion of technology, uh, uh, North Carolina Central was a leader. Uh, we've also been a leader in terms of diversity, uh, regularly staying at the top of the, uh, the, the, the qualifiers as the top most uh, diverse law schools in the, uh, in the country. What, what plans uh, do you have to uh, continue these types of uh, efforts and then to create new ones uh, for the law school where we can then uh, challenge the legal profession to catch up to us rather than uh, we trying to catch up with what other people are doing. Oh, there's a whole lot packed in that, Professor Joyner. Um, our listeners uh, might understand and appreciate that uh, often our lawyers uh, went out into private practice, both because we were needed in our communities, um, but because there weren't any other options available to us. No one was going to hire or very few folks were going to hire. Same thing with government. We were able to make great strides in government because the government, um, federal government at least, were leaders uh, in uh, hiring um, uh, diverse uh, diverse folks. Uh, this practice ready that you're you're talking about the um, our 
listeners may not be familiar with the the term new gen um, bar, but it's coming in 2026. And what is the new gen um, bar about? Uh, It's going to require that the students have more um, um, legal experience, more uh, experiential uh, learning opportunities, um, more work, more experience in um, actually doing the work of a lawyer. And like you said, we were leaders uh, in that. And so now that everybody else is caught up, we're going to have to expand our um, our programs. And so that will be uh, an emphasis that I will have by uh, increasing uh, the number of experiential learning opportunities uh, that our students will have. So more internships, more more externships, more opportunities to to practice uh, being a lawyer. And in order to do that, we're going to have to staff up. They're, they're law students, they're, they're not lawyers, so they need proper supervision um, and folks assisting them. So we're going to have to grow that staff that uh, in, in order to, um, to achieve it. There's a lot of work to, we've done a lot in 85 years. And that's what next year represents our 85th anniversary. The law school has got to, um, we have steadily grown uh, in reputation and in stature. And in some places, we've not grown to meet that uh, at the law school. And so we're going to uh, be staffing in the areas where needed in order to uh, to right-size things. This is the uh, Legal Legal Review, and uh, we've been talking with uh, Dean Patricia Timmons Goodson, uh, the new dean at the uh, North Carolina Central University School of Law, uh, a uh, leader that uh, has been made for these times and one that we are in need of. Uh, we're gonna continue our conversations uh, with her I want you to uh, stay with her as we move into the third part of uh, this discussion, but uh, we'll be uh, right back. Hello, this is Shantae McNeil, and I am a second-year law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and this is your community announcement. The Wall Street Junior is hosting a community wealth building summit throughout the month of October. The summit will include a community table talk with dinner, wealth and mental health building sessions, as well as information on banking, saving and investing. The event is free and there will be free food and child care for those who register. The community wealth building summit will be held on multiple dates in October, including October 10th, 12th, 24th and 26th, all from 5 to 7.30 p.m. at Lakewood Elementary School. You can register through Eventbrite by searching Community Wealth Building. This is Shantae McNeil with the Legal Eagle Review, and this is your community announcement. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on the uh, Legal Legal Review. Thank you, 
so very much for staying with us as we continue this uh, conversation with uh, Dean Patricia Timmons Goodson about the uh, future of the uh, of the law school. It was uh, an institution that was chartered in 1939, began its uh, active uh, operation in 1940, uh, some 85 years ago. And uh, uh, Dean Tim and Goodson, you, you talked about uh, the 85 years of uh, accomplishments that we've had here at uh, the law school. And can you kind of talk about some of the plans uh, that, uh, that you're thinking about with regard to celebrating that uh, 85 years of uh, of existence uh, here and services that we have uh, provided to uh, not only the North Carolina community, but also to the national community. Um, yes, Professor uh, Joyner, as I think about my vision for um, the law school, I'm mindful that, yes, next year we will uh, mark our 85th anniversary. And so um, I believe that we need to to celebrate and to mark important uh, milestones. You know, tomorrow is not promised. Um, but for 85 years, we will have educated uh, lawyers that were committed to return to their communities and provide leadership. And we at North Carolina Central uh, Law did a lot of things right. The proof is in our graduates. As I often say, uh, just look around the country and you can see us providing leadership uh, at the highest uh, levels. Our uh, students need to, to know that. And so um, that's a, a, a big part of our, of our celebration. And so you asked me how it is that we'll market uh, one of the ways that we'll mark it is that uh, we will look at the past. We will look at the, the leaders. Uh, you've mentioned our uh, deans, um, and we'll uh, work on making sure that folks know our graduates and the tremendous work uh, that they have done. Uh, we'll highlight uh, some of our most successful uh, programs. But, you know, a lot of celebrating uh, is also about learning lessons from the past. So we will use the time to reflect on the things that we've done right and um, the things that perhaps we didn't do as well as we would have liked to and take from those lessons that will hopefully help move us forward so that we will be able to celebrate another at least uh, 85 years. Uh, we will be bringing back to the law school um, alumni, many of whom have not returned since they, they left. And um, that's always, always helpful, uh, both for the, the alum, um, but also for the, the students that, that are there. Uh, we'll be celebrating with other HBCUs. They'll be joining in our celebration. And uh, we'll be talking about what is required in these changing times uh, for us to remain viable and strong and committed and continuing to, uh, to go forward. But we have a committee uh, that's working on that. And um, 
your listeners will be hearing more about it later. Dean, you've referenced several times the wonderful alums that we have produced here at NCCU School of Law. And I can imagine that one of the um, joys of your job is going out in the community and meeting with the alumni um, and sharing with them what's going on at the law school. Can you share with us what the alumni are telling you about, about the institution and how that um, helps to inform your vision? Yes. Um, one of the greatest joys is going out and meeting our alums, whether we're talking about New York, uh, whether we're talking about Washington, D.C., uh, California, wherever. Uh, the first thing that um, our alums let me know is how much they appreciate the education that they received at the law school, that, in fact, the education was transformative. Um, in, in, in their lives and it transformed their families. And so that is, that's wonderful uh, to hear. But they express some concern about um, what we're doing, uh, how well we're doing. The elephant in the room is the bar exam, um, passage rates. And so some say, well, I hear, I'm like, wait, let me tell you uh, some things. Um, North Carolina Central's law graduates uh, passed the bar um, within 24 months uh, at a rate of uh, 80 to 85 percent. So you need to know that, that the folks are, are passing the bar. What you're not hearing is the stories of our alums and all that they're achieving. And so I, I make sure that, uh, that our alumni know that uh, the state of the nest, as you say, uh, is good, uh, that the nest, uh, in fact, has been built and feathered with all kinds of uh, resources to help ensure uh, that the new baby eagles are able to, uh, to grow and to thrive uh, and to fly on their, their own. North Carolina Central University School of Law has the grit and has demonstrated the grit that we try to make sure that our students have. We know they're going to need it, and we have needed it as a law school in order to make it 85 years. Um, that grit comes uh, from commitment, a never say die, never give up attitude. Uh, we have been able to take what many would characterize as lemons and make lemonade out of it. I hope that your listeners can hear in my voice the pride, the commitment uh, in our, our great institution. I was in D.C. this past weekend at an HBCU uh, pre-law summit where Black students from across the nation come and law schools from across the nation come and educate and, and try to recruit uh, the students. Present were other HBCU deans and they listened and they knew already some much of what was going on at North Carolina Central's law school. 
And so we are the second oldest historically black law school in the country, second um, only behind Howard. And we're making great strides. Employers from um, all over are coming in and seeking to recruit our students. That's because they have had experience with our alumni and they know the caliber of students we produce. So these are in many ways, the best of times at uh, NCCU Law. And we're working each and every day to make sure um, that better times uh, are ahead. Well, you know, you, you, you talk about the, uh, the many stories that, uh, that we have uh, as a result of people graduating from the law school and going out into the, uh, into the world and providing uh, legal services and uh, as a point of, I guess, bragging uh, a little bit uh, about your uh, HBCU uh, conference, you had there the opportunity uh, to uh, talk with one of our more more, more successful uh, grads who is the uh, subject of a, a full-length uh, film uh, out, The uh, Burial, uh, and uh, an and, and, and appropriate uh, member of, of our law school uh, since he draws in the connection between Shaw University and the law school because he attended undergraduate at uh, Shaw University and then from there uh, came here but uh, as uh, as a student in uh, the 1970s and that's uh, Willie Gary and uh, who's the target of the uh, the focus of the uh, burial a movie that is being uh, released, I believe, next week. Uh, so can you kind of talk about the experience that you had uh, with him, introducing him and introducing the uh, film uh, to the uh, participants at the HBCU Summit? Yes, uh, Professor Joyner, it was uh, an absolute uh, joy to be with one of our best-known um, alums, uh, Mr. Willie Gary. The movie, uh, to your listeners, if you have an opportunity to uh, see it, I would encourage you to, to do that. Uh, it tells uh, Mr. Gary's uh, story, how he, he came up to Shaw University, had not even been admitted, had no money, and they, they let him in. Uh, and he finished there. He returned home and he tells, I'm not going to give the movie away, but I want to say how he ends up at North Carolina Central. He goes home and he is running a business, a yard, lawn care business. And uh, he and his wife and children need larger accommodations. And so Mr. Gary goes and he locates an apartment. They save the money and do all of that and show up uh, after they have all the money they need and they're so excited. He says it was like Christmas and the owner of the apartment complex takes a look at him and says, we don't have any openings. He says, wait a minute, but you know, I just talked to you a, a while back and we're ready. That uh, led him to come to law school. Uh, he wanted to do civil rights work. And so he came to North Carolina Central and was, I believe, in the class of 1974 behind Congressman G.K. Butterfield and um, some other uh, students, but uh, it's a, a remarkable story. His message uh, to the students that were present and the message throughout the movie is that 
you work hard. You don't let anyone outwork you. Uh, you know, there's some that'll say they're smarter than you. There's some that um, say they're richer than you. They have more resources, but work hard. Don't let anyone um, outwork you and you'll be able to do it. And that's what that's what he did. That's what he owes his success to. And uh, he is very grateful uh, to uh, our law school and has uh, demonstrated uh, that uh, time and time again. And um, I told him he'd have some other opportunities to demonstrate his gratitude. Wonderful. Um, Dean, you've, in talking about Willie Gary, uh, the working hard, not let anyone outwork you. Um, I think that has been your modus operandi as well. Um, you have had an incredibly illustrious career. I as you mentioned, this is not your first rodeo, and Irv and I had the pleasure of having you as a guest a couple of years ago when we wanted to highlight you during Women's um, History Month. And we were talking about your journey and your career, and, and I don't know if any of us at that time even kind of imagined that you would be Dean of the Law School. And if you could, just in the, the last kind of few minutes that we have, talk about how when you work hard and you prepare, that you will be provided with opportunities that, that you could not even have contemplated and that preparedness um, and, and meeting the opportunity, you know, that's, you know, kind of the cliche line, which is true, is what luck is, if you will, right? Um, and so you find yourself in a really wonderful position. We find ourselves as a law school having such a wonderful dean. Can you talk about how this unexpected, you know, um, situation came about and your thoughts about that? Sure. Uh, dean Dawson, one of the messages that I um, try to convey to our young people is that if you work hard, if you give it your best, the future kind of takes care of itself, that whether you want to believe it or not, um, a good bit of life comes about serendipitously, that it is good to plan. You should plan. Um, that's, that's the way you should go forward. But at the same time, you should always be open to making changes. Often others will see you in you qualities long before you see them in, in yourself. Uh, I thought that I was going to be the greatest trial lawyer North Carolina had ever seen, Professor Joyner. That's because I was in the DA's office and I could win a case. No one told me that the state usually won anyway, but um, I, I thought I could try a case you put me in front of a jury and I could work it. Well, folks came to me and said, you know, there's a district court judgeship that's going to be created, I hear. You know, if I were you, Pat, I'd look at that. I told them, I don't want to be a district court judge. I'm going to be the greatest trial lawyer North Carolina has ever seen. But fortunately, folks continued to come uh, to me. And so ultimately, I did uh, send a letter to Governor Hunt and ask him to consider appointing me. And I uh, went on the, the bench. So 
You don't know what the future holds. Just take advantage of every opportunity. Do your very best every time and you'll be surprised what, uh, what comes of that. There are lessons to learn, lessons that will serve you in good stead throughout your life at every single turn, even the smallest, most minuscule job. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dean. We are delighted to have you as a guest on the show again in another capacity. We always love hearing from you and we appreciate you um, taking on what is an incredibly challenging position for, for anyone. It's a lot of hard work. Um, and we see your commitment, your enthusiasm, and your love for this institution. So thank you very much. We want to, again, thank the Honorable Patricia Timmons Goodson. She was the first African-American female to serve on the North Carolina Supreme Court. And she is the newly appointed Dean of NCCU School of Law. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email. You can reach us at legaleaglereview at nccu.edu. And if you ever miss the show on Sunday, you can find us on the Legal Eagle Review podcast. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.